Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for March 14, 2023. If you're new here, then what we do is we gather around the word of God on a daily basis. I give you a scripture or a passage. We talk about it. I tell you what it meant back then, like, you know, the historical reference or the significance back then. And then we glean some nuggets on what it means to us today. We've been learning about the miracles of Jesus. This is part 44 of the series. And in every miracle, there's some messages. There are messages in the miracles that we've been gleaning and applying to our lives on a daily basis. So today I'm going to deal with the feeding of the 4,000. And the title of today's message is God's perspective of life. I want you to look at your life from God's perspective. I want you to look at your life from God's point of view. When you when you learn to take God's perspective of whatever you're facing, no longer does it look that significant. No longer does it look that daunting. Why? Because from God's perspective, everything is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He has all power. He can do all things. So let's learn to look at life from God's perspective. Get ready to receive the word. All right, so before I get into the word too deep, uh, I see here that Annie is asking for prayer for her, for her family. One of her sisters just went on to be with the Lord. And so uh, they're going to celebrate her life on Sunday. Annie, uh, you know, please accept our condolences. Uh, those of us that are watching, we're going to be praying with you and your family. Matter of fact, just lift up a prayer for Annie even now uh, so that the peace of God would overtake you and your family uh, in this season. So I thank God for you and appreciate you. Let's get ready for the word this morning. Uh, before we get into the miracle, let's look at Psalms 126 and verse four. This is a scripture that we've been looking at all year. This is a scripture that the Lord gave to our church and I've been meditating on it. The Bible says, now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again for me. Restore us to this form of glory. And whatever area of your life went dry, whatever, if you have any area like your prayer life, your marriage, your relationship, with God in some area, your relationship with your children, whatever it is that's gone dry in your life, may streams of refreshing flow over us until every dry heart, every dry area is drenched again. This is a season of refreshing. This is a season of restoring for us. So open up your heart to the refreshing and the restoring. So today I'm going to cover Mark chapter eight, verses one through 21. I'm not going to read 21 verses to you. So I'm going to cover it. And in the, we already dealt with the feeding of the 5,000 with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. Today, I'm going to deal with the feeding of the 4,000 with seven loaves of bread. But instead of focusing so much on the miracle itself, I'm actually led to focus on something that happened after the miracle. So this is, once again, Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. So Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And afterwards, the Pharisees approached Jesus and they wanted to test him. The Bible says they wanted to test him. They wanted Jesus to perform a miracle in front of them as proof that he was sent from God. So in other words, they come up to Jesus and they say, okay, well, we saw that you just fed this crowd. We've been watching you. We've been paying attention to what you're doing. You keep performing all these miracles. We still don't believe that you're the Messiah. We still don't believe that you've come from God. So to prove to us that you came from God, 
we need you to perform a miracle, like perform a miracle on demand. <laughs> like this is a show or something, right? And Jesus, the Bible says, he sighed. He deeply sighed. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe these. I mean, what is wrong with y'all? He says, why do you people ask me to perform a miracle as a sign? I want you to know that no miracle will be done to prove anything to you. He was like, first of all, if you was paying attention, you've seen a lot of miracles already. You've seen enough signs, but no miracle will be done to prove anything to you. I'm not here to prove anything to you. Put in the chat, God, God doesn't have to prove himself. Now, God, God may reveal himself, but God will not explain himself. God doesn't have to prove himself. God is not trying to prove anything to you. Jesus was frustrated with the Pharisees, with their lack of divine perception and insight. These were supposed to be the people who knew God. These were supposed to be the people that were closest to God. And God was right there and they missed him altogether. So Jesus left and he told us to see his team, forget it. Let's just get into this boat. Let's get out of here. I'm tired of these people. Let's go. And so they get into the boat and they're about to leave. And when Jesus and his team got into the boat, the disciples realized that they only had brought one loaf of bread. And so they started arguing amongst themselves on who was supposed to bring more bread. <laughs> so they're like, hey, Andrew, were you supposed to bring the bread? It was like, Matthew, no, I thought Matthew was supposed to do it. And Matthew's like, oh, uh -uh, it wasn't me. It was supposed to be Peter. And so they're arguing over who's supposed to bring the bread. And they're upset because they only have one loaf of bread. And they're like, oh, man, what are we going to do now? What Now, hold on for a minute. Jesus just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And now a team of 13 gets on the boat with one loaf of bread. And they're like, oh my God, what do we have to eat? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We only have one loaf of bread. And when Jesus heard this, it was like, wow. Jesus said to his team, be careful. Guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. He was saying, be careful, man. Like we just had this running with the Pharisees. These people don't believe. Be careful that their unbelief, be careful. Don't allow your heart to be infected with their unbelief. And so he says that to them. And then he says, the disciples said, well, maybe he said this because we don't have any bread. <laughs> She's like, ah, what is wrong with this team? Jesus says, why are you talking about having no bread? Come on, man, for real, for real. Why, why are you talking about having no bread? He says, do you still not see? Are you able to still not understand? Do you have eyes and can't see? Do you have ears and can't hear? Remember what I did before when we didn't have enough bread? I divided five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 people. And when we did that, how many baskets of food were left over? They said, uh, 12 baskets. He says, okay, and just right now, I took seven loaves of bread and we fed 4,000 people. And when that was done, how many baskets of food were left over? They were like, uh, seven baskets. He says, now, if you remember these things, why, why do you still not understand? I was like, what is wrong with you? And you still arguing like, oh man, there's 13 of us and we only have one loaf of bread. What are we going to do? Are you kidding me? He's like, are you allowing the Pharisees and their unbelief to get down in your heart? What is wrong with y'all? So there's a lot here to deal with. I'm not going to be able to cover this all today, but this is going to be good. This is going to take me multiple days, but this is going 
to be good. Remember, I'm teaching today on God's perspective, God's point of view. So what does this mean to you today? I have three things to share with you on today. And then, of course, I'm going to unpack this this passage more over the next few days. Wait, let's deal with these three things for today. Here's number one. Manifestation of the supernatural serve as signs for unbelievers. It's true. Manifestations of the supernatural, they serve as signs for the unbelievers. So Jesus performed miracles to destroy the works of the devil. He also performed miracles to show people that God is real. These were the people that would not believe until they see things with their own eyes. Now, I'm sure that you run into people. I run into people like that all, all the time. They don't believe uh, that this God that we cannot see will manifest himself in ways that we can't see. And they think that the Bible is like fairy tales or something. Uh, and that is not for 2023. And that is not real. And so, yes, God does manifest supernatural power on the earth through through people, through humans. And when this happens, a lot of times it is so that not only to manifest the power for the person that needs the breakthrough, but so that other people would believe. There, there are some people that just refuse to believe until they see something with their own eyes. So these miracles back then and even today help people to believe God. God still performs miracles today. Like Now, what I don't understand is the people that say, well, Brother Pena, I don't think the miracles are for today. I believe the miracles ended with the apostles. I believe the miracles ended when the Bible was written and it was complete. I don't know where you get that from. If you could give me some scripture on that, put it in the chat. I would love to see it. Miracles of today. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So miracles are still, the, the supernatural is supposed to be natural to us. Matter of fact, put it in the chat. The supernatural is natural to me. The supernatural is natural to me. And as a matter of fact, people are tired of religious tradition. People are tired of going through the motions. I don't know about you, but I, there was a point in my life, and I still kind of have that, but there was a point in my life where I developed a disdain for church. I developed like this, this strong disdain for just going through the motions. I was like, God, I can't do this no more. Like I can't go to church and just keep coming and going through the motions and singing some songs and, 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 and preaching you know, a little bit if there's no demonstration of power. Like I, I can't, I can't, no, no. And and so thankfully, you know, I, I, God dealt with me and dealt with my heart, but that I, I'm also thankful that I'm in an environment where the supernatural does flow, where we do have testimonies, where we do see signs, wonders, and miracles, where we do see lives changed. We see burdens removed and yokes destroyed and lives changed and people healed and broken marriages restored and wayward children coming home. Come on, man, we got to see it. Like, you know, the, the supernatural is supposed to be natural for us today. But the reason why there are churches that are that are closing down all over the United States and all over the world is because these are churches that are devoid of power. People are tired of just like going through the motions. People are tired of, of being religious. People are tired. Like, like I mean, I got to drive 45 minutes, 50 minutes to go to church. Where I go to church, I'm not going to be making this trip if there's no power there. Come on, man. Like, you got to get tired. People are drying uh, 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 or churches are drying up because there's no power in these churches. There are people that are frustrated because they don't see the power of God. People were drawn to Jesus because the power of God was being manifested all 
the time. And so we must be in an environment. We must have our hearts open to God. Our children want to know that our God is real. People want to know that this God that you claim to serve, is he real? Is he true? They want to see the power of God manifested. I, look, I, like in my family, as an example, the reason why, like it, it took me a long time to get my family to believe in the God that I serve, even though they, we were all raised, you know, in a very traditional and religious uh, environment, they started, to, they even now to this day, my, my mother, my cousins, my uncles, they was like, if you need a prayer, call him, call Rick. Why do they call me? Because they've seen the power of God manifested. They've seen the power of God manifested through through my life and through through prayers. And it's not about me, it's all about God. But God will manifest his power so that people will know. I remember one of my aunts, uh, she deals with something in her leg and she was at my house and we were having a housewarming party in the Dominican Republic and she was in a lot of pain and they were about to leave. And I said, well, you have to leave because of the pain. I said, hold on for a minute. Before you leave, let me pray for you. I laid hands on her leg and the power of God hit her leg. And she was like, man, now I don't have to leave. And so then she started telling everybody at the party. And then yet why? Because people want to see that God is real. People want to experience a God who can do all things. And when you start to look at life through through God's perspective, from God's point of view, then your life will change. Jesus is like, what is wrong with y'all arguing about what, 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 we don't have no bread? Like you, like, are you, we just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and there's only 13 of us and we have one load of bread. And are you really telling me that you're frustrated because we don't have no food? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? What is wrong with y'all? He was like, well, we fed 5,000. How many baskets did we have? 12 baskets left over. When we fed 4,000 just now, how many baskets did we have left? What, well, we have seven baskets left over. What, did, are you allowing the Pharisees to get down in your heart? Are you, listen, don't allow, this is why it's dangerous to be around the wrong people. The proverb, the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 20, that both wisdom and foolishness can be transferred by association. If you connect yourself with wise people, you will become wise yourself. If you connect yourself with fools, then you will become a fool because there's always a transfer that is happening when you're around other people. Jesus was like, have the Pharisees got down in your heart? What is wrong with y'all? Are you allowing yourself? Don't allow fear and doubt and unbelief to get down in your heart. Don't surround yourself with the wrong people because people that say, well, you know, I don't know about that God stuff. I don't know about that Jesus stuff. I don't know about that faith stuff. I don't know about tithing. I, I ain't giving my money to the church. I don't know about like, you know, all this money. Yeah, I'm cool until you get to the money stuff. Or I'm cool until, you, I, I don't know about that. Don't, no, no, no. Be careful. Don't allow that unbelief to get down in your heart. Their your heart can be infected with unbelief. And that's exactly what happened with the disciples. And Jesus was frustrated. Number two, God won't perform parlor tricks for people with the wrong motives. God has nothing to prove. Put in the chat, God has nothing to prove. Let, let, let's be clear about this. God is not here to prove. He doesn't have to prove himself. Now, God will reveal himself, but he doesn't have to explain himself. God will reveal himself, but he doesn't have to prove himself. Let me explain. Jesus never had a problem manifesting the supernatural in front of people who had a heart who was hungry towards God. But as he did in Mark 8, Jesus refused to perform a miracle for the, for the Pharisees. He said, no, 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 I'm not doing nothing for y'all. You're here like, hey, perform a miracle. Dun, 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 like I'm supposed to tap dance for you or something? Perform a miracle so that we, so, so you can prove to us that God is real. Are you kidding me? 
Like, I'm, I'm not doing that because they were trying to discredit God. They were trying to discredit the same God that they were supposedly worshiping. If you ever want to see God move in your life in a supernatural way, your motives need to be pure. If you ever want to see God manifest himself in your life, you can't come to God with the wrong motives. Going back to the message that I told on Friday, and I, and I highlighted three people, the Roman centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, and the royal official. The reason why these three people received the word from Jesus and they walked away like it was already done. And in every case, when they got home, they saw the manifestation of what Jesus said. They saw the manifestation of what Jesus believed and believed Jesus spoke is because their faith was pure. They were not religious. They were not raised in church. They, they were not tied to performance-based religion. They, 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 they had, it was not connected to some type of, oh, let me do this right so that I could be right. They just believed God. They, they didn't know anything about the law. They didn't know anything about the law of Moses. They didn't know anything about the law of Leviticus. All they knew was, I believe God. I believe this Jesus dude. And they received it. They received. They believed and they received. Why? Because their faith was pure. When you come to God, your faith needs to be pure. It cannot be based on you. It cannot be based on your performance. Oh, God will bless me as long as I have everything. If I do everything right, or if I if I perform, I got to go to Sunday school. I have a perfect Sunday school attendance record. If I break my Sunday school attendance record, maybe God is not going to bless me. Oh, I have to do... Listen, stop. Your faith has to be pure. Your faith cannot be based on, on performance. Your faith cannot be based in people. And your motives have to be pure. If you compare the three people that I just talked about, that I, I taught on Friday, the Roman centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, the royal official, compare them to the Pharisees. You're going to see completely different mindsets. The Pharisees were coming and they were they were full of the, themselves. They, they were basing their lives on their performance. They were basing their lives, we are good and Jesus is not. We honor God. We do the things of God. We honor the Sabbath. Jesus does not. And so, you know, so Jesus is not really true. We are the only true ones. They were religious people. And, and so they came to God with the wrong motives. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing nothing for y'all. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people approach Jesus the same way today. And they, they come to God with the wrong motives. Let me say something about uh, proving God to people. Because you might say, well, hold on, Brother Pena. I thought that we need to minister to the world. And so we need to prove God to the world. No. So there are some people who are called to do that. These are Christian apologetics. Let me explain. An apologetic is someone who believes that they are called to defend the Christian faith. So they are providing rational arguments and evidence for the truth of Christian beliefs, and they respond to the objections and the criticisms against Christianity. That's what they do. Their ter the term apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which means defense or a reasonable argument. So these are people that are making a reasonable argument for the cause of Christ. Let me be clear about something. I'm not an apologetic. I'm not here to reason with you. I'm not here to prove nothing to you. I'm not here. All I do is preach the gospel. I, I'm, I'm not called to be an apologetic. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm, I'm called to teach the word of God. I'm called to present the truth. And then either people are going to receive it or not. 
Like, I, that's it. I'm called to explain the word of God, to present the truth, to preach the gospel, to lift up the name of Jesus. And, and I'm not here. To, I'm not in the business of making arguments. I'm not in the business of arguing with you or whether or not Jesus is real. I know Jesus is real. I'm going to preach Jesus and I'm going to use my lifestyle as an example of the God that I serve. And I've led lots of people to Jesus, but these are people that had a heart that was open to receive. Listen, when people come and say, prove it to me, prove to me that Jesus is real, their hearts are already closed. And if they're, this is what the Pharisees did. If somebody comes to me and their heart is already closed, then their heart is already closed. If you really want to seek God, if your heart is open towards God, then you will be drawn to him. Jesus was like, listen, I know who I am. And, and, and I know uh, uh, that there's many people who are paying attention to who I am and they can see who I am, but I'm not going to perform a miracle for you. I don't have anything to prove to you. So let me be clear about something. I'm not an apologetic, but I do believe this. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus was the son of God who came as the son of men so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe that he was the only innocent man to ever walk the planet and he was wrongfully and falsely accused. I believe that he was convicted on trumped up charges. He was taken from mock trial to mock trial in the middle of the night. I believe that he was nailed to a cross for us, for our sin. I believe that he literally died. I believe that he literally rose from the dead with all power in his hand. I believe that he ascended up into heaven. I believe that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. I believe that he has all power in heaven, in the earth, and under the earth. I believe he's coming back again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And when he comes back, those of us that remain will be in his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's what I believe, and that's what I preach. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. Many who claim uh, uh, that, that they want to be convinced, these are people that already have their heart closed to God. If their heart is open, they'll be drawn by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. But if their heart is closed, guess what? I know people don't, don't like to talk about this today, but I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the gospel. If their heart is closed and they never accept Jesus and they die in their sin and they die without ever accepting Jesus as Lord, they're going to die and go to hell. And they're going to wake up one day in hell and realize that they should have accepted Jesus when they had the time, when they had the opportunity to do so. I know people don't like to talk about hell today. I know people try to act like hell is not real. But at the end of the day, I don't know what Bible you're reading. We have a responsibility to share the love and the light of God with everyone everywhere. So let this serve as a reminder to you that there are people, many of them, who are going to go to hell. There are people, many of them, who don't know Jesus as Lord. So you and I, who are born again, it's our responsibility to be love, conduits of love and light in this world. We're supposed to share the love of Jesus with everyone. While I said, watch this, let me be clear. While I said that I'm not trying to prove Jesus to anyone, I am trying to share Jesus with everyone. Let me say that again. I'm not trying to prove Jesus to anyone, but I'm trying to share Jesus with everyone. And everyone who opens up their heart to Jesus, he will in no way cast them out. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. And the church said, amen. Oh, glory. I feel like preaching this. All right. And then number three, the last one for today. I know this is stuff that people don't like to talk about today, heaven or hell, 
It's the, but it's the gospel, and we're supposed to preach it. All right, last one for today, number three. Matter of fact, put this in the chat. Say, I will share Jesus with everyone. You got to say that by faith. If you really believe that there's a heaven and a hell, you, you should be telling people about Jesus. You should be telling people your story. You should be telling people what God did for you. Tell your story and tell it everywhere you go. Number three, the last one for today. God wants you to look at every situation from his perspective. Look at every situation from his perspective. Put in the chat, say, I take God's perspective. This is important. Jesus was frustrated with his disciples when they were complaining about having only one loaf of bread to eat after he fed the 5,000, after he fed the 4,000. Why? Because they were looking at their situation from a human point of view. And Jesus was like, what is wrong with y'all? If you only look at your situation from a human point of view, put this in the chat. I am not a mere human. I am not a mere man. I'm not here to just look at my life from a human point of view. I'm not supposed to live my life as a mere human. I'm not supposed to live my life like the people that don't know Jesus. I'm not supposed to look at my life through the lens of, of humanity without any consideration for the love and the power of God. I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my connection to the Father. I get to look at life from God's point of view. If you only look at life from a human point of view, you are failing to factor in God. So when you factor in God, you will also have to factor out every limit because there's nothing God can't do. Put this in the chat. Say, I factor in God. When you factor God in, you have to factor out your limits because there's nothing God can't do. So God is looking at you and he wants you to look at your life through his perspective, through his lens, through his point of view. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he made plans for you from the foundations of the world, that he has the power to do all things, that whatever he's called you to do, he's already equipped you to do. And, but you won't ever receive something you do not expect. And you won't ever expect something you do not even consider. Let me say that again. You won't receive what you do not expect and you will not expect what you don't even consider. So you have to be considering God's perspective. If you feel overwhelmed right now, look at me. If you're facing, you say, Brother Pena, Rick, you don't know what I'm facing. Okay, it doesn't matter what you're facing. God knows that you're facing it and God is with you and God has promised never to leave you nor to forsake you nor to turn his back on you. And so if you start to look at your your circumstance or your situation from his point of view, and your mind is fixed and focused on his limitless power, then there's nothing you can't do. You have to set your mind to the things that are above. That's Colossians 3 and 2. One of the reasons why God wanted me to teach a series on the miracles of Jesus is because he wants you to raise your expectations. Put this in the chat. Say, I raise my expectations. I start to look at life from God's point of view. I'm looking at my situation through God's lens. As I close, let me use Abraham as an example. Abraham was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old when he, they came in contact with God. God gave them a word that they would have many children, that they would be the father of many nations. 24 years later, Abraham is about 100 years old. His wife is about 90 years old, and they don't have any babies yet. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 21, there was no hope that Abraham would have children, but Abraham believed God and continued to hope despite the fact that there was no human hope. And that's why he became the father of many nations. As God told him, you will have many descendants. Abraham was almost 100 years old and he was past the age of having children. Sarah could never have children. And so Abraham was well aware of this, but his faith in God never became weak. He never doubted 
that God would do what he promised. He never stopped believing. In fact, he grew stronger in faith, giving glory to God. He believed that God was able to do what he, what he had promised. In the King James Version, it says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Why? Because the Bible says he considered not the deadness of his body, his body from the waist down, his stuff wasn't working. There was no little blue pill back then. Her stuff had never worked. She couldn't have babies when she was 18 and she was 90 years old. As I close, let me tell you this. He staggered not because he considered not. He stopped considering his life from a human point of view. He stopped considering his life like he was just a mere human. You got to stop looking at life through a human perspective, from, from a human point of view. You, you have a God that lives on you and in you and with you and for you. And if you look at your life through his lens, there's nothing you can't do because there's nothing God can't do. And God is with you. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out, man. I'm going to talk more about this perspective stuff tomorrow. Let's close it out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. I see you as the God of no limits. I believe the supernatural is natural to me. You can do all things. Therefore, I can do all things. I am learning to look at every, every situation from your point of view. Once I factor you in, I have to factor out every limit. So I choose to consider you in every situation. I open my heart to your heart. And when I do, the unseen becomes more real to me than the seen. Living this way, I know, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. So please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, you want my notes, you get my notes for free. Go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. Put in the chat, I look at life from God's perspective. Put in the chat, I take on God's point of view. When you look at life from God's perspective, everything is going to change. So do me a favor, two things. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then number two, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I'm going to teach more about this perspective thing. It's going to change your life. Have an amazing day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, we have several books and products on rickpina.co. These are products designed to help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have apparel there that will help you represent the grace life. Thank you so much for being a blessing to us. And we pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you. 